Like, that's the whole point of the 48 Laws of Power. If you go live your life according to the 48 Laws of Power, you're probably going to be an awful person. Like, awful. <laughs> and he, he kind of outlines that, because most of the shit in there is very, like, you have, you'd have to be a sociopath with no scruples to follow all of it, you know? Right. Right. Hill's just like, if you do all these things and you talk to my ghost friends over here, <laughs> you're going to have wild success. Ouija board? No, it's not a Ouija board. You're, no, you're, you're no. seeing things. No, no, We're no. way no. beyond Ouija here. We're in new territory. They're just... <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Hey. And Ryan. Ooh, that was nice. Um, yeah, Elon Musk has a very, very weird body shape. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and hate on people's body shape, but that's definitely not a normal shape. Like, he's definitely taking something. Who's that Who's that comic book artist that he looks like drew him? Rob Rob. Oh, uh, Rob Liefeld? Yeah, Rob Li- <laughs> he looks like a Rob Liefeld character. Nah, he life. doesn't have nearly enough pockets. Yeah, his, his pecs <laughs> aren't that big. <laughs> if he was a Rob Liefeld character, his, like, body would be, like, his chest would be, like, 40% pec. <laughs> See, I was always under the impression when I looked at the Rob Liefeld's Captain America that it's, like, he has just barrel chest. He doesn't have huge pecs. He just has a huge, like, barrel chest that these tiny little bitch pecs sit on top of. <laughs> and I, Jesus. I uh, Jamie, you want to pull that up? <laughs> you can pull up the picture. Because the way I always think of it is that he does have huge pecs. It's like the, uh, the the X-Men character Strong Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, yeah. Who, who's, like, really, really top-heavy due to his, like, mutation messing up. <clears throat> Speaking of mutations messing up, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, um, well, today we're going to be talking about the uh, the con man and and sort of self help guru um, who, who sort of started and inspired some some other people that we'll also talk about. Tony uh, Robbins named uh, Napoleon Hill. Oh. Didn't we? We didn't do a uh, episode on Napoleon Hill. We have not done one yet. Really? That's odd. Yeah, he's thinking get rich, right? Yeah, I've yeah. heard of this guy. It's so controversial, you know, like there's, there's still to this day, there's like a whole society of people. I'm pretty familiar with Napoleon Hill and there's, there's a whole society of people that are out there to defend this guy still to this day. Yeah. But they're also like idiots. Is this guy, well, is this guy yeah, I think, guy? I think most of them are definitely idiots. Some of them are not stupid. They're just like suckers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be sp- uh, stupid to be a sucker. Sometimes intelligent people get suckered really quickly. It very quickly. It's it, it's one of those things where, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit uh, when, when we talk about um, one of the people he inspired. Um, that that's probably the more influential of the two. Um, who who goes on and like just sort of what he does is like morally wrong in what he does, and a lot of these techniques and a lot of the self help area is is one usually kind of like morally dubious and two um sometimes it's outright wrong in, in terms of what it does in terms of the techniques it uses okay right. so th- this guy is like a a, a pre-dr phil then is what i'm thinking in, I know he's an author of. he's an author right i've heard this yeah name. in in okay. a sense but i would say he's more of like um one of those guys who we don't really have them anymore, but I'd say it's more sort of like a Jordan Peterson type guy, a guy who like sort of gives like advice. And then he has his other like crazy beliefs put in and people like glom onto him because 
they, they take like the one or two things that's just like common sense uh-huh. and then they just say like oh you know that guy says you know you gotta you gotta clean your room right and like that that makes sense you know if you do that and then just doesn't address all the other stuff or just willfully uh, misrepresents things okay um so, so, then, so then, like, an early, early, early Dr. Oz, when he first kind of started dipping his toe into the grift train. I think the difference is, is Dr. Oz wasn't originally a grifter. Correct. Napo- but, Napoleon but, Hill's whole thing is that he is a grifter. Yeah, he, he, is, a, he is a lifetime, like, con artist. Like, I would, I like would argue that the, the Dr. Oz is worse because this is a man who actually is fairly accomplished. Oh, and, yeah, no, 100%, 100%. And is definitely using... His prestige there to back the grift, which is, well, I think, all the more fucking insidious. Because uh, N- Napoleon himself, he was born in a one-room cabin uh, near the Appalachian town of Pound in southwest Virginia. Pound, Virginia. <laughs> Listen, I swear to God, and now I have a reason to tell somebody I'm taking him to Pound Town. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go Pound, Virginia. Wait. Wait. Um, his... Uh, his grandfather had immigrated to the United States from England um, in 1847, um, and his uh, his mother would die uh, when he was nine years old, and his father married two years later uh, to another woman. Um, and his stepmother was sort of uh, seen as being like a good influence on him um, because um, she was the uh, the widow of a school principal, um, and and sort of like made uh, Napoleon like go to school and attend church. Okay. All right. Yeah, which back then, pretty much, you had to do, or else uh, <laughs> you were going to be basically just a miner. <laughs> yeah. You'd be a coal miner. At I mean, the, he was a child, of- so he probably worked in a coal mine anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the at the age of 13, uh, he began writing as a, a reporter for his father's newspaper. Um, and at the age of 15, um, he was forced to marry a local girl who accused him of fathering her child. Um, but later, the, the girl recanted... That's um, just my baby dad. That's then, just uh, my baby dad. And the marriage was uh, was annulled. Wait a minute. Okay, so nice. I, I was totally wrong. Um, so I thought he would have already been working in a coal mine, but it turns out that dad's rich and owns a newspaper, so that's not going to happen. But he, okay, he was forced to marry some girl just because she well, said she was pregnant. Well, I don't. I don't think owning a newspaper in like Pound, Virginia, is like is really like. That wealthy, like, like I mean, you're not like, like an Andrew Carnegie wealthy, but if you Steve, own a newspaper, how like, dare you have you? to have some fucking money. How how dare you denigrate the good people of Pound, <laughs> Virginia? <laughs> you son of a bitch! And, and the <laughs> Pound the Times. <laughs> these are the, these are people of the land, Steve. You know, morons. Listen, would you <laughs> would you rather earth. read the, the? They have two periodicals. Would you rather read the Daily Pound or the Pound Times? <laughs> There's two competing newspapers. Uh, uh, I like the Pound Post. <laughs> Man, this is terrible. All right, keep going. <laughs> I mean, there's only 200. Or sorry, there's only 918 people in Pound. This is episode so. 90. Let's let's get the quality up. Because <laughs> remember when when he uh, when when he gets married as well, it's like 1898. Cause he's born in 1883. Um, mm. So, so at the age of at the age of seventeen, um, he graduates from high school and he moves to Tazewell, Virginia, uh, where he attends business school. Now, is that an early graduation? Um, or is it just not, not standard? Yeah, I, I'm imagining during this time period as well that not a lot of uh, students are like actually graduating. 
yeah. um, or, or even going on to high school because usually uh, during this time period you get roped into like helping out on the farm and stuff so you don't usually get like a full education and that that's more like back then when they talked about people having like a ninth grade education or whatever right like that that was generally to the point of where they would have to like stop going to school and like get a job or or help out on the farm and I mean, they were to that sort point. of a man yeah. yeah i mean and like your schooling up to that point was it was you know packed enough that you kind of for the 1800s learned everything you needed to learn up it's like eighth ninth grade correct uh pretty much um, it, again, you're not you're not getting like really advanced um, education. Yeah. Um, also, I just point out that uh, U.S. Highway 23 runs through Pound and crosses into Kentucky at the Pound Gap. <laughs> <sighs> All right, I'm gonna turn off Google Maps now. Okay. <laughs> um, so just taking the episode along with my ways. Yeah, I was gonna say the there's journal, some cops like up around the bend. Brought to you by ways. Brought to you by hey, Quest, mark down bro. the cops over here. Hang on, I go print off Quick. directions from MapQuest.com. I'll remember to always up. update if there's a speed trap. <laughs> he graduated high school, so we're we're about the part on the ways map where he's about to bullshit a lot of people, predicated off of some simplistic advice. Oh God, let's go. Um. In, in 1901, uh, he accepted a job working for a lawyer named Rufus A. Ayers, um, who was a, um, a coal magnate and a former uh, Virginia attorney general. Um, but it's believed that um, it, it's reported by an author, uh, Richard uh, Lingaman, that he'll receive the job after um, arranging to keep confidential the death of a, a black bellhop, um, whom the previous manager of uh, the mine that Ayers owned had accidentally shot while drunk. Accidentally? Okay, mm. let's okay. Let's put accidentally in heavy you, uh, fucking quotes. Yeah, yeah. I want gilded yeah, so quotes. Like, but but accidentally that, shot while drunk. That's like when people say oh, I was cleaning my gun and it went off. What's what's like those those two dumb? What were you cleaning up? Bullets. <laughs> like those, I was trying to get all the bullets out. It's like those two dumb deputies from Bavard where the one shot the other one and killed him because oh, he just like pointed his gun at him and pulled the trigger after they were like dumb playing like. So you know me. I'm not gonna. De- I'm not gonna defame all cops, but Brevard. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yikes. Also, but weren't those cops the ones that were uh, fucking around with bulletproof vests and they were just shooting each other in the chest to see if it would stop the bullet? Or am I thinking no, of a different the, the fucking alleged- department in Florida? <laughs> no, the, the alleged thing was that they were inside their their apartment or whatever that they shared. They had just gotten done playing online games, and then one of them just like pointed his gun and pulled the trigger at the other one as as a quote unquote joke. Jesus fucking Christ, Florida. Cops, online games, and guns. Nothing clearly, bad can happen. <laughs> clearly, they have not read Napoleon Hill's books. And, God and damn it, also, ban him. Ban WoW and, right now. Ban it. <laughs> Just um, it. <laughs> um, so, Hill would soon leave his uh, his job working for uh, Ayers in, in sort of like the management of Ayers Mine um, soon after this and enrolled in, in law school before withdrawing due to a lack of funds. So, he oh. was too broke? Um, yeah, he, he sort of ran out of money, but later on in life, uh, Hill would uh, use the title of attorney of law um, in his official biography um, and and notes that, um, and, and even noted um, in his official biography, though, that there's no record of his having actually performed legal uh, services for anyone. Yeah, because he knows if he does that immediately, now he's committing a crime. You can say you're an attorney, which is whatever you're. You're. You're like, uh, what do we call that? You know, stealing valor or whatever. Um, but 
if you actually do something that only an attorney can do, now you're guilty of a crime. So he was he was slick. He was he was slick. Um, in uh, 1907, uh, Hill would uh, move to Mobile, Alabama, and he would co-found the Acre Hill uh, Lumber Company. What did um, his lumber but, company do? But um, about the the lumber company is that in October of 1908. Uh, the Pensacola Journal reported that his company was facing uh, bankruptcy um, and charges of mail fraud for purchasing lumber from outside Mobile, Alabama, um, from other counties in Alabama and Florida, and then selling it below cost, uh, thereby failing to generate a return. Why would you? <laughs> what? Okay. 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 Let, let, let's keep going <laughs> before Ryan pulls off his chair. <laughs> Why would you sell it for less money than you need to stay solvent? Because I, I believe the, the theory that he had, or, or his sort of logic, was that if everybody's buying from him, it would uh, it would one bring down the bring down the other prices, um, and two that that he would get most of the business, and then eventually he would be able to like raise his prices once the other lumber companies are out of business. But you're gonna be bankrupt before. Okay, oh my God. All right, go ahead. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's not the the best uh, thinker financially. He is uh, definitely a couple fries short of a happy meal. In uh, May, it's hard to be a businessman. In, in May of 1909, uh, Hill would relocate. Uh, Hill would relocate to uh, Washington D.C. and he would start his Automobile College of Washington. What? Uh, where, where he would instruct students how to build, uh, chauffeur, and sell uh, motor vehicles. So, so it's essentially the DeVry Institute, but for cars. Yeah. He's kind of like, he's more like a Trump figure. This is, this is ITT Tech. Yeah. yeah. The, the Phoenix like, University. Is, I went to, yeah, this uh, is like, this is one, though. Like, guys, I went I'm to not MIT. I'm going to teach you how to work on cars. I'm going to teach you how to T. build the fucking car, show for people around, and sell it at the same time. I but, went to but, MIT, Steve. T. Tech. <laughs> MIT. ITT Tech. I went to ITT Tech. <laughs> fucking Dom So... Part of it was that the cars that they, the students would be assembling, they were doing this for a, a corporation called the Carter uh, Motor Corporation. Um, and the students, remember, are paying to attend this school. So they're essentially uh, paying to, to build cars for this uh, motor company. Um, and, but the Carter Motor Corporation would declare bankruptcy in early 1912. Um, and in April of 1912, um, an automobile magazine called Motor World accused Hill of being a, a scam artist um, and derided the marketing materials of the college as a joke to anyone of average intelligence. Oh, my God. Trump, Trump University. Here it is. The, the, the college well, would... Well, uh, you're going to notice stores. the theme. The, the college would uh, close its doors later that year. Wait, so he didn't even, like, double down? Like, he didn't even try to stand up to scrutiny? He was just like, fuck it and folded? No, on to well, the next well, one. I, I, believe it, I believe it closed down, too, because remember the... the the auto company that was paying him to uh, to make cars for them, like because he had students paying to build the cars, and then he had the automobile company that was paying him for the cars that he was making. Once once that was gone, he didn't have the sources for the uh, the cars that they were building, um, and also students, I believe, um, who were getting close to uh, graduation, but we're going to find out that their degree was pretty much useless. Mm. Damn. Don't well, suck it did, those for-profit colleges. It did put money into his pockets. Every college is for-profit. <laughs> um, you know what I mean. But, 
No, I'm just but, saying, like, it's gotten to that point where, like, it's completely fucking broken. Yeah, but, like, don't broken. get suckered in by actual for-profit colleges. If you, oh, if the I know, dude. As, listen, if, if the listen, school you're stop, considering stop. going to is I, advertised I am a on television, I am a person who got suckered into a for-profit college. So I am well aware of uh, how bad me, it is. Trust me, And I know several people who have gotten their little settlements from being suckered into ITT tech and all that stuff, yeah. I literally paid four times oh, yeah. the cost of my degree had I gone yeah. somewhere else. I'd I don't even four like times more. I don't even like talking about it. It's yeah, so fucking it's, ridiculous. It's not great. So tell me um, more about the scam artist, the, the scam daddy, if you will, of these fucking shits, I'm sure. Um, during the time that he was running his um, automobile college, um, he would marry uh, Florence Elizabeth Horner um, uh, and he would have three sons with her. Um, and then after his automobile college um, uh, folded, uh, he would relocate to her uh, family's uh, hometown of uh, Lumberport, West Virginia, um, in order to um, sort of live off of them. <laughs> Lumberport, West Virginia does not sound like they're coming from big time money. Sorry, Lumberport. Um, <laughs> if any one of the uh, <laughs> Lumberport, listen. If any one of your 720 there residents was... <laughs> is listening to us, just I'm sorry. There's no flaw in your argument. What you meant to say was West Virginia sounds like it doesn't come from a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, terrible. Sorry, West Virginia. <laughs> he would anyway. Um, while he was there, he started selling meth. Uh, but. <laughs> But uh, soon, but soon it probably would have been more profitable than what he ends up Bath doing. Tub, oh yeah, um, bathtub moonshine, bathtub meth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, soon after uh, he moves to uh, Lumberport, West Virginia, uh, he's sort of forced to leave because the uh, the family's not as keen for him and his um, his multiple children because uh, three sons that he has by nineteen or his two sons that he has by nineteen twelve. Um, to, uh, he, he relocates to Chicago in order to find a job with the uh, LaSalle Extension University uh, before co-founding the Betsy Ross Candy Shop. Okay. Um, in September of 1915, he Man, establishes the coming. George... He establishes the George Washington Institute of Advertising uh, where he would... <laughs> where he would... Uh, where he intended to teach the principles of success and self-confidence. Here we go. Bro, this guy, this guy is Ultimo. obsessed with the founders, bro. The Betsy Ross candy shop. The George the Washington cell. Institute of Advertising. The Washington College of Automobiles. Like, holy <laughs> shit, dude. Holy shit. <laughs> Reel it in. Thomas Jefferson's payday loans. Like, come on, bro. I need you to fucking stop. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson's payday loans? Oh, God. Alexander, Alexander Hamilton's reverse mortgage company. <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell's phone cards. <laughs> on, uh, uh. But on June 4th of 1918, uh, the Chicago uh, Tribune reported that the state of Illinois had issued two warrants for his arrest, uh, charging him with violating what were called blue sky laws. Uh, by fraudulently attempting to sell shares of his school at a hundred thousand uh, dollar capitalization, despite the school possessing assets of only um, uh, twelve hundred dollars. Steve, caveat emptor, dude. That just makes him smart. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> it just makes him smart. I don't know why my we're so mad at him. All I'm saying is that ten times markup. It's Napoleon not my Hill, fault if you pay that much. Napoleon uh, Napoleon Hill was born like a century uh, too late. 
because or or too early exactly because if he was, because if he was uh if he was born sort of like a hundred years later um he would have been all in on like um alex jones level schemes and shit he would oh he would God. he would totally be a crypto fleecer Absolutely. He'd, be, he'd be driving his leased Lexus through Miami right now. Guys, let me tell you about this. My idea, it's called the Lincoln coin. Don't get it confused with the penny. Do not think about the penny. This is a brand new cryptocurrency. We are on the blockchain. We are in here. It's called Lincoln coin. Hashtag Lincoln coin. Blow it up, baby. We're going, You're we're going to the moon. You're going to want the uh, George Washington NFT, NFTs. <laughs> I'm also selling exclusive NFTs of Lincoln being shot in Ford Theater. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, these are you know real what? paintings. You don't own the painting. You own a reference to it in the blockchain. You own a JPEG of the painting that is on the blockchain, even though the painting itself is also not real. The painting itself is a JPEG of a painting. Get in here right now. We're on the we're on ground floor, baby. Get in. Uh, uh, Hillwood closed down his school um, uh, later that year in 1918, uh, but he would claim later on that he spent most of his time in 1918 advising uh, then President Woodrow Wilson on on what? America's conduct during World War One. Is there um, any ver- like anything veracity to that? Claim? The uh, the White House uh, says they have no records or any reference to his ever being there. Okay, cool. You're like I said. There's going to be a theme here. The theme is that he's completely and utterly full of shit. Um. So following the the closing of his school. Um, in, in sort of like his real real world activities as opposed to what he claims he was doing, um, he embarks on other business ventures, um, including publishing uh, two magazine, Hill's Golden Rules and uh, Napoleon Hill's Magazine. Okay. Are those kind of like, uh, what, what would you compare those to? Like highlights for children or like time? Or... <laughs> they, they would be like, they would be like that magazine that Lenny Dykstra made where he told athletes to spend money. Oh, <laughs> How to blow through their money faster. How to spend your money quick. <laughs> oh, God. Um, in 1922, he would open the Intra Wall Correspondence School. Um, which was a, a quote unquote charitable foundation intended to provide educational materials to prisoners in Ohio. Oh man, don't tell me he's an asshole here and scam it. Come um, on, man. But his uh, his foundation was directed by um, one, one of his main directors was a check forger and former convict named uh, Butler Stork, um, who would uh, be sent back to prison um, only a year later in 1923. Well, I mean, honestly, I don't really care that he was a former convict. Like, unless he did something wrong, and then we have a problem. But, like... I, well, he said he was a, a check forger <clears throat> and stuff, so yeah. it's kind of, like, all along the same line. Yeah, like, totally all for people reforming themselves, but this guy was, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out with the wrong people. It's like if you robbed banks and you went out and started hanging out with people who robbed banks. Yeah. Um. So, uh... At this around this time in in Hill's official biography, um, he he claims that the hundreds of documents that proved his associations with with the many famous figures that he's eventually going to to claim that he had uh, personal relationships with sex uh, were with. destroyed in a fire um, in Chicago. <laughs> that one time convenient. I had sex with Woodrow Wilson by Napoleon Hill. Mighty convenient that a fire destroyed everything. Let me guess, we have no evidence of the fire that uh, that occurred, huh? Because, I mean, they do keep logs in, you know, what year is this? In the 20s? Yeah, they still kept logs uh, for for calls for people that are, you know, if there's fires that are destroying entire storage compartments or storage units. Yeah. 
1928, um, Hill would relocate to Philadelphia um, and would persuade a Connecticut-based publisher to publish his eight-volume work titled The Laws of Success in 1928. Eight volumes? What the fuck? Yep. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Is it, is it, what is he, fucking world book? Um, so the, the book is his, like, first major success. Um, he originally wrote it in 1925, but he gets it published in 1928 um, to, to a larger scale. Um, and the profits that he makes off this book allows him to uh, live an opulent lifestyle. Um, uh, by 1929, he, he is driving a Rolls Royce um, and lives on a 600-acre property in the Catskill Mountains. Um, most of this is done through uh, money that he gets from lenders. Wait a minute. 1929? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my my <laughs> recollection of history might be a little hazy, but when you say lenders and you say 1929, I'm gonna start being real scared for what y'all about to hear next. <laughs> um, but but what eventually happens to him is that the uh, with the stock market collapse, um, he there loses all of this and his property goes into foreclosure. There it is. Uh, by the end of that year, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, he was right. rich for like seven months. <laughs> He was seven months rich. <laughs> just walking around town with a cane and a top hat. The next day, he's begging on the street corner, like, "What the fuck happened?" People to your are like voice? staring at him, like, "What are you doing? Why are you wearing that? You should Dude, sell it now." You literally just what had a Rolls Royce like yesterday. What happened? <laughs> well, you um, know. In in 1930, he would publish the uh, the Magic Ladder to Success, um, which would be a commercial failure. No, you don't say. Um, according to uh, Hill, he, he claimed that the book was uh, commissioned at the request of Andrew Carnegie um, and, and um, oh, at the conclusion of a multi-day interview with Hill. Oh. I, also, I, I also find something you know unique and perversely disgusting called The Magic Ladder to Success, published in the middle of the Great Depression. I find that uniquely shitty because you know what's going on and you know that people are beyond desperate. And then you write some shit worth... The cover says the magic ladder to success. Like, you know what you're doing. You know you're trying to appeal to a certain subset of person who is absolutely at the end of their rope. I find it gross, personally. He would he would claim that the work was uh, based off of his interviewing of over 100 American millionaires um, and, and, and sort of uh, self-made um, industrial uh, magnates, such as uh, Henry Ford, J.P. Morgan, John D. Rockefeller, Alexander Graham Bell, and Thomas Edison, over a span of about 20 years. And suspiciously missing from each one of those hundred interviews is when 98 of them said, yeah, my parents are really fucking rich, obscenely wealthy, as a matter of fact. Why do you ask? <laughs> you just conveniently left that out of 98 interviews, huh? And then, like, the two people who actually, you know, quote-unquote, bootstraps themselves into success, like, definitely made sure that those people were included. God damn. Um, and, uh... A lot of his works, too, that they were um, often presented as a lecture, um, and and he would, um, and, and generally a theme that, that he generally goes back to uh, time and time again, but there's things that he, he credited um, freedom, democracy, capitalism, and harmony as among the foundations of his quote-unquote philosophy of achievement. I'm nauseous. <laughs> um, he asserted that without the, these these foundations... Um, that great personal achievements would not be possible. Um, he would also uh, sell. Uh, he he would also sell home study courses um, that that sort of went into the formula, um, a- including one that was a seventeen volume work titled uh, "The Mental Dyna- uh, Dynamite Series." Mental dynamite. What? 
<laughs> what is he coming up with these names himself? Of course. Um, and he claimed that his philosophy was superior to other sort of um, self-helping, get rich, oh, yeah, you um, do that, sort of right? gurus, um, and that say that his principles were responsible for the successes of uh, many um, prominent Americans. Um, and he blamed um, any failure to realize his system on on emotions such as fear and selfishness. Wait, 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 wait! Say that one more time again. Um, that that if you fail, that the system doesn't fail you. You fail the system because you're either afraid or you're you're being too selfish. Yeah, basically, like if you follow his principles to the, to the T, then you should be successful. So if you fail, then it's probably because you didn't follow them because you're a baby or you're scared. God, what is that? Anxious. God, why does that sound so familiar? Like there's a political philosophy that says that it can't fail but can only be failed. Damn, I, I don't know. It'll come to me, I guess. Anyway. I actually don't know what you're referring to. Uh, conservatism cannot fail; it can only be failed. Is what is uh, commonly heard by these idiot chud talking heads. Oh, I've never heard that phrase before. Yeah, it's uh, it's real bad. Um, Inc. Magazine included um, his uh, his book, despite it failing, among the uh, 14 great books for anyone who wants to get ahead in life. Um, the uh, the quote unquote mastermind concept they introduces in the first chapter of his first book is also regarded to be the key behind Hill's um, system by some authors. Did this guy um, also that, write The 48 Laws of Power? Who wrote that shit? Robert Sounds Green. very much like that. It's not. That's a good book, actually, and it's well-researched. But Uh-oh. the uh, he doesn't promise you anything in that book, by the way. Okay. Yeah, any any sort of, like... Because uh, the, the library I work in, there, there's a lot of, like, self-help books. And, like, a lot of it just, just seems, like, you know, like, kind of, like, poorly thought out and just, like, gimmicky. Um... So I, I generally think poorly of them, but there are a lot of like good like sort of self help books as long as they don't like promise you like financial success. Yeah, what um, you're looking it, for is someone who's like well researched and not a chiropractor, basically. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> you don't want someone who's telling you that they're going to cure your cold by cracking your backs or keeping your line so, right. Setting. Someone, someone who didn't go to ghost doctor school. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Forty Eight Laws of Power is actually good, and it's full of like specific references, but it's not like a a treatise like this is how you get power and it's the only way it's just like the way robert green found by researching history that's all i feel like there's, most there's self-help people boil like down to like hey like the a seven common sense seven habits are pretty good already do like hey like get a good night's sleep like eat a good breakfast take care of your mental health like take time in you know during the daytime to like think about you and what you need and drink well, yeah because water. like basic shit is all because you need that's not novel enough for it to be, uh, you know, of any importance to anyone. Oh, do you so feel you like you're never getting anything accomplished? Hey, write out a schedule for your day. Like it's it, it's it's all very like yeah. There's sense definitely stuff. some common sense stuff. Be forced and not forced, but like kind of reiterated for people. And then once you start going off the rails of that, is now where I'm like, <laughs> all right, this is not self help. This is grifting. There's a fine um, line, you know. But there's a um, fine line. But the, the system that, that also appears throughout his works as well, um, called the uh, Mastermind Concept, um, which, which I said was introduced in his first book, um, and, and sort of this idea is that, there, that there's a system called a Mastermind Group that has a, sort of like a peer-to-peer mentoring group uh, to help members solve their problems with input from other group members, usually with a, a leader at the top. And it's his um, job to recruit ten new people to the cause. <laughs> and each one of those ten, grab ten more. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, during uh, during those years, uh, Hill would uh, travel uh, through the country um, and return to um, and, and sort of like go back to his old habits of, of initiating uh, very sort of like scam businesses during that time. Does he actually um, make any money with these scam businesses, or is he literally just making enough money to, like, eat? Because, um, I mean, I guess my question is, like, if you made a fuckload of money off a scam business, why would you keep doing scam businesses, man? You got away with it. Like, you're not you're not in jail. You're not being indicted for fraud. Like, you're not having to pay people back. You got away with it once. Shut it down and just take the money you earned and try to do something, like, legal and not, uh fraudy i guess you could say like yeah um, i mean i mean if you actually like profit off of a scam and you do it multiple times then you're just you're a scam artist i mean that's all you're you asking know. to get caught no i'm saying you're you're talking about somebody like turning their life around and doing things the right way when they have no intention of doing that and they've shown no history of doing it right uh, well i mean i guess my ultimate question is did he make money off these things yeah or was he just making yeah. enough money to make ends meet he made would- enough in order to continue doing it for like his whole life basically but he didn't make enough money to like uh, you mean like what's one book where he's ro- where he's rocking a fucking rolls royce that what you're like, saying? Right before the market crashes but yeah like if he's not getting wealthy off these scams, A, why do you continue to do it? But if he is getting wealthy off the scam, why did you keep doing it? It's it's like gambling. Like you like you don't you don't keep gambling because you're you're rich and successful from gambling. You keep gambling because you're hoping you're gonna get that one that that one hit that's gonna like that you're yeah. never gonna need to like gamble again. Yeah. And that's that's sort of what he's sort of shooting for, is that he's trying to get that one scam that's so successful that it just keeps him going for a while so he can be in that Rolls Royce and that, that gotcha. like, estate in the Catskills. Again. Never be yeah. in Pound, Virginia again. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, to. the thing is, is these guys don't stop, dude. They're addicted to that lifestyle. Like, he's not – even if he got that big – like, I was reading something recently. Like, um, I forget where it was. It might have been in one of the stoic things I read, but it's, it's there's no such thing as fuck you money. Like, it's not a real thing. No matter how much money you have, there's always the next thing. And so whatever's fueling you, you don't just stop it because you're insulated financially. You know, if you're a scumbag like that and you've been doing it your whole life, you're just going to keep going. The stakes just get higher. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll, um, ugh, yeah, it, it's just it, it's weird to me, like why you would continue. I, the, I'm, I find like, the it odd that you're not get getting it, that, that he is he's addicted to what he does. He likes to rip people off. Yeah, I, it's probably I'm not getting it because I can't put my mind in that frame. Well, you're of a good mind. person. Uh, okay, let's let's. No, I've known you. I've known you for a few years. You're a good person, and <laughs> I don't think I may, you make mistakes like everybody else. But who cares? They think you're still a good person. This guy's a scumbag. He's yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely, his goal is to rip people off in the guise of helping them, and that and there's nothing scummier than that. Fair. I'm coming in from the from the angle of if you're smart, you make your money and then you retire and you're quiet. All the best people in sports have done it. Although I'm, I'm going to exclude Shaq from that list because his ass is not quiet. He's on fucking printer, fucking Shaq commercials. Is the, Shaq, yeah, but Shaq <laughs> Shaq is like one of the most successful sports figures financially ever. Yeah, but like we're talking about the people who are not on Shaq's level. Like if you're successful, yeah. you make your money and you get out. You don't destroy your body. You get out while you're still healthy. Drug dealers. If you're a successful drug dealer, you sell your drugs and you get out and you don't keep selling drugs for the rest of your life. I don't want to... Whatever uh, money you need. I don't want to feel like I'm attacking you or anything. I think you're being idealistic. 
That's what I think. I think most people. From. I think it's the opposite. I think most athletes do not just get out. Why? No, I no, think- no, no. That's the angle I'm coming from. Is that the smart ones? That's what happens. Yeah, but those are. I don't think that's the he's, norm. He's essentially like. I, I would say that he's he's sort of like a Sam Bankman Freed in that he's uh, like, okay, but, but with less accomplishment. Essentially, a guy who's like selling. The, the dream of getting rich while scamming people, like like while profiting off of it, right? And instead of being the people who are like actively trying to like, you know, in, improve their like like sort of like find a shortcut to getting rich, gotcha. he's he's just sort of scamming the people. You know? Right, he's, that's he's the best the, way to look at it. He's just the scammer. He that's does, his he's not actually. He's, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's okay. he's selling. He's like sort of selling, you know, the the pickaxes and stuff to the people who are like mining for gold. He, he's the pessimistic one in a sense where he's just sort of like, he, he doesn't believe that anyone can actually do anything, but he knows that he can prey on that. Gotcha. Um, okay. On other people's um, need to improve yeah. or to get wealthy. He's basically, yeah, he's a huckster. It's the, the number one original OG huckster. In, okay. in 1935, uh, his, uh, his second actual, his second wife, first, I would say actual wife, uh, Florence uh, files for divorce in Florida. Um, and in 1937, two years later, he publishes his best-selling book, Think and Grow Rich, oh, um, which, which becomes his best well-known work. Jesus. Um, he meets his uh, It's the law of wife. attraction, Ryan. You just have to think. Oh, fuck. The secret. It's it's <laughs> terrible. I, I, am, I have very strong opinions about that whole thing. Like, it's... I, yeah. So, I'm not going to lie. I have read every single one of those books, and I read them through the, through the like... I, I approach the book through a very, like, go fuck yourself, you're full of shit. Yeah, so, skeptic. it does take a lot to make me even be like, well, okay, I'll look at this. I haven't found one yet that people rave about, you know, whether it be... Even if it is the 48 Laws of Power, even if it is legitimate... I have not seen one that I'm like, oh shit, this really changed my mind, and this really like kind of restructured how I think about things. Like, I feel like they all come off as very grifty, every single one of them. Yeah, the Forty Eight Laws of Power is not a grift because it's not written as a grift. Like, the goal there was never to to get uh, you to be powerful. The goal was to show you things that you can do that you know, with historical references and, and analysis, and like. Uh, how people do obtain power and so it's more like anecdotal mm-hmm. so that's that's like that whole thing i mean i'm not going to sit here and say that the man's not making money off of it he's made a ton of money off of it yeah but it is rooted more in like uh, historical analysis and and kind of like um you know armchair uh i'm not really sure what the word i'm looking for but like yeah like armchair intellectualism kind of thing mm-hmm. that's what i was looking for but like Think and Grow Rich or The Secret are just, they're horseshit based on the predicate of visualization and uh, positive thinking framing and all that stuff, which is actually legitimate and has been proven legitimate in cognitive science. Like, if you smile through something, you tend to have a better outcome, stuff like that. But it's so, they take it to this ridiculous degree. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that because there's like a clear line between uh, Napoleon Hill to like The Secret. Right. Um, So... Uh, Hill meets his uh, his third wife, uh, Rosalie uh, Beelin, um, who uh, helps him um, write and edit um, Think and Grow Rich. Um, the book itself, uh, uh, Hill's biographers would claim that the book sold uh, 20 million copies over 50 years, um, although uh, the author uh, Richard Lingeman uh, uh, sort of remarks on this that it, it seems unlikely because um, a, a book on... Um, Bestsellers, Alice Payne Hackett's 70 Years of Bestsellers suggests the amount was considerably less. 
Um, and with a lot of these things too, it's very easy to like sort of juke the stats on on book sales. Um, that, that's why it's very easy to have like a New York Times bestseller because it's bit, just based on like how many books are sold. Yeah, you were talking about that. Because like for instance, like the Church of Scientology, like all of L. Ron Hubbard's books are like New York Times bestsellers. All the Scientology ones are because the Church of Scientology buys hundreds of them and then has like their members buy like dozens to so like, they yeah so they hundreds. fake it i got you yeah. yeah um and like uh political books happen all the time like all those like fox news books that become new york times bestsellers those um, only happen because they themselves buy millions of copies well, to hand well, yeah, so and it's all that be- bullshit that's and, and because like the network buys it too and they just sit in a warehouse somewhere right because because it gets on a chart they hand them out at book signings and shit like that. It's it's, I I hate that I learned that little stupid fucking factoid because now anytime I hear somebody say that they're a New York Times bestseller, I'm like, okay, but did you sell those books or did you buy them yourself or did your company buy them themselves? You know, right. I hate it. I hate that now that that's how jaded I've become. I mean, I don't think that's jaded. I think you're just being intellectually responsible, looking into things like that. You shouldn't just trust that right off the right off the gate. You know what I mean? Well, I want to believe it. That's my problem. Like when I hear it from from people that I want to believe that they are like successful and that's what it is. Like right, the first I, layer. Ex- of like, thinking, I want to be excited for them, but I don't want to yeah. get like let down. You know? Yeah, that first layer of thinking is like, yeah, this is gonna be good. I, I, yeah, and look how many people bought it. But then there's that second layer that you gotta you gotta use. You gotta go deeper. Yeah, I just got screwed on that uh, recently because I, I always research ADHD, and there was this book going around about ADHD called um, uh, I'm not even, I don't remember the title, but it was this guy Gabor Mate, and he's a Hungarian uh, like I think he's an addiction researcher. Okay. So anyway, long story short, he wrote a book about ADHD research, and I was reading it, and I was like, ah, oh, this is very interesting. It's very novel. But the more I read it, I was like, something's wrong here. Like. This doesn't this doesn't jive with anything else I've read about ADHD. So sure enough, I look him up. The first fucking thing that comes up is Rogan had him on. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Ah, there it is. So then I start looking into it. He's not even. He has no business writing this book. Like, if you post about his book on the R slash ADHD subreddit, not that this is a barometer, but like, they'll take your post down because he's he's like completely on the fringe. He discredits other people, and he's not even in tune with like the current science, the actual science behind uh, attention deficit. And but it, sure enough, you know, I got like three chapters in before I realized something was up. That's incredibly sad too, because I do remember way back in the day, Rogan would have some legitimate scientific people on there. Still does some ad- legitimate addiction people on there that. Now just kind of like, all right. You're I refuse to partake in his bullshit after yeah, the, the like all the Rogan. vaccine crap. But yeah. I feel like 2016 was about where I was like, all right, I'm done with this guy. He's 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 getting a little bit off the rails. The dude um, bro news. So, uh, thing and grow rich is sort of based on these 13 principles that that Hill considers necessary for success, um, which which includes such things uh, as power of thought, the power of imagination, the power of persistence. Um, which we'll talk about. Power of thought, the power of imagination, and the power of persistence. Is that, is that, did I hear that right? Yeah. That yes. sounds like an incel's guide to life. <laughs> I mean, like, again, most of his well, stuff is based off real shit. Like, that well, you well, there's the power of persistence. Advice. Blow well, up well, DMs a, daily. Well, I would, I would also argue <laughs> it. that it's, it's not so much that it's based on real things. It's just that they're all sort of copying him because – He's, like, the first guy to really make one of these, like, successful books, and it sort of changes 
um, and influences like the way a lot of people think about uh, success and wealth in the United States and also sort of the publishing of these types of books. I disagree with part of what you said, and that is that um, you're you're 100% right that a lot of self-help like uh, douchebags base everything off Hill because he was like the OG. But there is an element of real utility to the things that he throws out there. The problem is, is that you're not going to just get something because you're persistent. You're not going to like, like, it's not a cure. Like, you're not, you know, yeah, it's like, it's the whole Puritan work ethic thing. Like, if you work hard, you'll get what you want. No, 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 you will not. Most people fucking, that doesn't happen. That's not true at all. You get for being a hard worker, but you're not getting anything for it. A lot of people work hard for their whole fucking life and they don't get shit, you know? And it's not because they were thinking about it the wrong way, you know? So they they can help. They're not they're not bullshit. But they're the way they're framed and set up is absolute horseshit. Like just selling people the idea. That's terrible. That's why it's so bad be, too. Because it's super fucking insidious. I will say that there may be the tiniest like nugget of a crumb of truth where you have to have the mindset of I want to better myself and I want to better my situation, my state at the cost of anything. So if you're a blue collar worker, let's just say and you're in a mining town and you know you're you're living but you're not living like how you would like to live, there are people, there are there are the frame of mind that say fuck it, I have a st- I have a steady job, I have an income, I have, you know, a roof over my head, a family, I'm good. You know, I'm not fabulously wealthy, but I'm making it and I'm comfortable, so that's what it is. Where you have another subset of people who will say, no, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I have to do to become wealthy. It, it doesn't matter if that means working harder, if that means stepping on people's necks to get where I need to get to. Yeah. That does constitute a line of thinking. Now, that is by far the smallest part of everything else, you know, all considered, but like – Sum it up, basically, is that your 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 frame of mind has to be taken into account when it comes to you know specifically just like hey, do you want to better yourself? Just a simple question like that, like your frame of mind has to be considered when you answer that. I throw this quote around a lot recently, but it's uh, uh, Taleb uh, Nicholas Taleb, and um, he said, um, "Mild success is explained by skill and labor, and wild success is attributable to variance." So, like, the thing is, is Napoleon Hill selling you wild success, right. which is not something you normally just get by working Cor- really hard. Cor- it's, it's, it's like luck and, you know, timing and there's, there's just whole much, there's so much crap involved in it. Right. You know, it's the, the it's the thing they're selling. Sorry. But the, uh, the 13 steps that he has are as follows. Number one is desire. Um, start with a strong desire or burning ambition to achieve a specific goal or outcome. Um, number two is faith. Have unwavering faith in yourself and your ability to achieve your goals. Oh my god! Um, I'm comparing this th- in my head as you go through this to an incel trying to hook up with a girl on Instagram. Go okay, ahead, desire and faith. We're already there. Keep going. <laughs> number three, auto suggestion. Uh, use positive self-talk and affirmations to reinforce your beliefs and goals. Baby, I'll uh. treat you right. Number four, specialized knowledge. Acquire the knowledge and skills needed to achieve your goal. The uh, Number five, ability to play video games has made my fingers very uh, skillful in uh, manipulating the uh, female. <laughs> if I can find nope. it. <laughs> number, number five, imagination. Use your imagination to visualize your goal and see yourself achieving it. Oh, I don't even have to go there. You know they can do that. Uh, number six, organized planning. Uh, develop a detailed plan of action to achieve your goal. Number yep. seven, 
<laughs> let, him get, let him get through all of them because what you said before is probably the most important thing. So let him get through the rest of them here because I bet Number you they're seven, all going to be followed up with that. Decision. Make a firm decision to follow through on your plan and never give up. Uh, Number eight. Persistence. Keep working towards your goal even when faced with obstacles or setbacks. Number nine. Power of the master mind. Surround yourself with like-minded people who support and encourage you. Um, number 10, the mystery of sex transmutation. Use what? the power of your sexual energy to fuel your desire and drive. Yeah, oh you gotta God. make sure you don't spill your jing, you know? Number 11, the subconscious mind. Tap into the power of your subconscious mind to help you achieve your goals. Number 12, the brain. Use your brain to analyze and plan and to make decisions and take action. And number 13, the sixth sense. Trust your intuition and inner guidance to help you make the right decisions and achieve your goals. The, the, the guy basically, like, I'd say 9 out of 13 of them are just basic everyday advice, like make your bed and go to bed on time and stuff like that. How they're, just, they're, not, they're not bad and they're not, they're not good, but they're not, like, he, he's not selling anything special. That's how thing. do I not know more about this guy? Like, how have I not learned more about this guy just from strict, like, exposure to the internet? I don't know. Like, how I know about Jordan Peterson and everybody else. Like, I don't know how I don't know about this guy because literally everything that he said in those 13 little blurbs, it could literally, it is a blueprint for somebody like Elliot Roger. It is a fucking yeah. blueprint. Like, it's it's wild we'll, to me that I've we'll, never heard we'll, his name we'll before. We'll sort of talk about that when, when we talk about one of the uh, the big influencers of him um, who, who actually went on to, like, influence some some very famous um, and powerful people in, in, I would say, a negative way. Um, but uh, with the success of um, Think and Grow Rich, um, Hill begins living his, like, lavish lifestyle again, um, and he purchases a, a new estate in Mount Dora, Florida. Dora, okay. The that's tallest a, part of Florida. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting uh, uh, choice. Okay. Um, but in uh, 1940, uh, they divorce, um, and much of the wealth goes to uh, goes to his wife, Rosa Lee, um, leaving Napoleon to, to start his uh, pursuit of success once again. Fucking um, goddamn gold-digging whores always bringing the man down. <laughs> um, Hill would uh, meet uh, Annie Lou Norman. Um, who's 47 years old um, at, at a place where he rented a room. Um, they would marry he? in 1943 and relocate to California. How um, old was he? And Hill would go on the lecture circuit um, soon after that. Uh, so he is 60. And she's 47. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's there's a difference, but it's not like... Yeah, no, nah, it's, it's whatever. It's that, like, old... Um, oh, it sounds gross to say this, but it's that old person difference. Like, if you're, like, 60, dating somebody who's 45, or marrying somebody who's 45, that's not weird. Now, if you're 25, dating somebody who's 15, that's profoundly fucked up. Yeah. I, I, it just weird to me that the age difference doesn't matter. Like, Well, yeah, because after adulthood, it's just a choice. It just seems... It just still seems weird, because that person is still not... Like, they're your equal, but, like, they're not your equal in experience and life and things that, like, you're from a total... Well, I don't know if I'd agree they, they're your equal. They're they're an adult. They may, That's what I'm saying. Like, they're your equal. equal as an adult, but, like, they're not your equal in experience and, like, learned uh, opportunities right. and things like that. Yeah. Well, nobody um, has Napoleon Hill's equal. So, Bro, that man has met everybody. <laughs> so, for a segue on Napoleon Hill, there there's a bit of a, uh, a, a bit of an area... That, that should sound familiar to you with some of the people we talked about before. Um, 
is that um, later on he, he expressly talks about it in a uh, in a book he publishes in 1967 called Grow Rich with Peace of Mind. In chapter 12 of it, um, he describes having uh, visits from spirits um, that he describes as unseen friends, unseen watchers, strange beings, and the great school of masters um, that have been guarding him and who maintain a quote-unquote school of wisdom. Um, so um, he gets into it more expressly later on, um, but there's sort of this uh, theosophic sort of undercurrent to his um, to his views. Um, he would state that a master spoke to him audibly, revealing secret knowledge, and he further insisted that the masters can, quote-unquote, can disembody themselves and travel instantly to any place they choose to acquire essential knowledge or to give knowledge directly by voice um, to anyone else. Okay. Um this one was uh, allegedly influenced uh, by the by the spirit voices. Um, Hillwood cite a master's telling to him, much of what he said already has been presented to you in the chapters of this book or will follow in other chapters. Um, in Thing and Grow Rich in 1937, in chapter 14, he openly talks about invisible counselors uh, with whom he discusses very, various areas of his life. Oh my god. Here we go. He, he refers to these beatings with his counselors <laughs> as being uh, real because he consistently told himself they were real, a principle he refers to as auto-suggestion. Mm -hmm. um, Hill does admit the talks were only real to him because of his imagination, but professes his belief that the dominating thoughts and desires of one's mind uh, can make those things real. This reads, uh, um, his works would go on to influence um, a chiropractor. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry. That, that would come to exist um, in New York, which was called, which was started by a man named James Bernard Schaefer, um, and was also, uh, the quote was called the Royal Fraternity of Master Metaphysicians. Oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. Um, uh, <laughs> it's gotten, so it's gotten off the rails here. <laughs> so the, it's like the difference between this guy and like the, again, the 48 Laws of Power is like the whole point of like a book like the 48 Laws of Power is so you don't do the things in it. It's basically like he wrote the book so that you would know how sociopaths act around you. Like that's yeah. the whole point of the 48 Laws of Power. If you go live your life according to the 48 Laws of Power, you're probably going to be an awful person. Like, awful. <laughs> and he, he kind of outlines that, because most of the shit in there is very, like, you have to, you'd have to be a sociopath with no scruples to follow all of it, you know? Right, right. Hill's just like, if you do all these things, and you talk to my ghost friends over here, <laughs> you're going to have wild success. Ouija board? No, it's not a Ouija board. You're, no, you're, no, you're no. seeing things. No, no, We're no. way beyond else. Ouija here. We're in new territory. They're just... <laughs> Um, so, uh, we don't really know a lot about Schaefer's early life, um, but, but press around him did find out that he was, uh, born in, uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Um, he had a medical degree. Don't you um, know. Although we don't know, like, how, like, how good what of a medical, kind of medical degree, degree that was. Because I got two medical degrees, technically. Podiatry from Gunderson <laughs> University in Fargo, Because this was North also, Dakota. like, turn of the 20th century, like, Where you could spend like $6.50 and, and buy a medical degree? Um... And, and like he had also been a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. What the um, fuck? We don't really know uh, much about the founding of the organization. Um, it doesn't really appear in newspapers until 1938, uh, when it made this a noteworthy uh, real estate purchase. Um, in sort of press accounts of the origin of the uh, group, it stated that it was founded in the quote-unquote 1920s um, and had a membership 
in the thousands by the 1930s. Um, it, it was, um, it was found that it, it attracted mostly middle-aged women. Um, and there was also an inner circle of male members known as the storks, um, who made, um, who, who sort of like went and fundraised, um, and worked for quote unquote needy expectant mothers. And what does this organization even do again? Uh, well, we'll get to that on, okay, on January okay. 13th, 1938, the group would purchase a 24 acre, um, idle hour estate of William Kissam Vanderbilt on Long Island. Wait, they bought a how many acre estate on Long fucking Island? How expensive was it? What? In, in, 20, Long in, Island. in, in 1938, a 24 acre uh, estate. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> uh, Schaefer would rename it to uh, Peace Haven um, and opened it as a retreat for those who purchased a quote unquote fellowship, the price of which was initially $100, the equivalent to uh, $1,948 in today's money. Um, but this would eventually balloon to $500. Uh, by 1940. Oh, there's way too many people in here. We got to jack the price up. <laughs> too many people can afford to come into the club. Now it's five hundred dollars. Uh, the Pepperidge Hall uh, uh, mansion, uh, the former mansion of Christopher R. Robert, was nearly purchased by the group in 1939. However, the sale would fall through. Did you say the Pepperidge Farm mansion? Uh, no, Pepperidge Hall. Pepperidge oh, Hall. God damn. Pepperidge I Farm want, remembers. Bro, I want a fucking mint Milano cookie right now so bad. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, they're so good, right? Bro, I had the orange, the orange chocolate. Not mala. bad. Oh. Oh, not so bad. Good. I like, the, I like the mint ones better, but yeah, not bad. They got such a good bite to them, you know. Like he's yeah. bite. It. There's something about the way they're constructed. It's just perfect. They're perfect. A, a building at two seventeenth West Fifty uh, Seventh Street, built by Jay Gould as a stable, uh, was purchased by the group in February of nineteen forty as a location for an auditorium. Uh, they also purchased the Adelphi Theater. Um, and changed its name to the Radiant Center um, and put on uh, metaphysical plays there. Well, okay, all right. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. What is a metaphysical play? Uh, just sort of like, uh, I, I guess sort of like morality plays. <laughs> Still don't understand. <laughs> like, what the fuck does that mean? Metaphysical morality like, play. Like, is it like, just like, like a like you're having a play that teaches a teaches well, a moral? Well, it's like yet? a church play. Like, like you know, like a church play. Uh, you're talking to the only church play I know is you get the shit kicked out of you if you start playing around in church. Remember, Irish Catholic, you don't play in church. You get like Godspell and like those. <laughs> you know, like just like it's a play that's put on, but there's like a moral it, behind it. It has like know? a moral or religious message to it. Yeah. You just you don't need a specific example. You just that's all that's all you need to know. Okay, so the church is putting on a play. Okay, right, and the, their their point is to be churchy about it. Okay, <laughs> we preach you about it, heard? Um, because uh, a lot of a, a lot of the um, a, a lot of the um, sort of basis for the beliefs of this cult are based on thinking grow rich and just sort of like this metaphysical way of thinking. Um, and and one part of this. Um, in sort of the realizing the beliefs of the book in November of 1939, uh, Schaefer announced that they were going to raise a, a baby, uh, baby Jean, whose mother, a waitress named Catherine uh, Gaunt, um, who was too who who was too bored to raise her um, into this mansion and prepare her for um, everlasting life through metaphysics and a special vegetable diet. Oh, my God. She was eventually going to become the group's immortal leader. 
however, the experiment was terminated in December of 1940. Oh, they returned God. baby Jean to her parents, citing both her parents' wishes and the cost. So I see God. what you're saying. I just want to reference what I said to you earlier, Ryan, which was earlier you were talking about how most of this advice and most of the things these people do are things that, like, are not unobvious. Like, they're things that you already probably should be doing and you're not That's doing, correct. you know? That's correct. Correct. But they sell it, they, they case it in a way where it's George Washington's professional magic matrix philosophy that, you know, if you just do this one thing, you're going to talk to me, Madame Blavatsky, and 16 other ghosts who were very successful before they died. You know, like, it's, uh, oh. people just need it packaged nice, you know? God, it's, and it's oh, so God, scummy. I, I hate it. I hate it. Well, a lot of this, too, has rings of, like, the pregnancy, like, crisis center Type, type stuff because it's yeah. all the thing about like like single moms and expected oh the fake abortion clinics yeah where yeah. they where they yeah. just sort of get all this money and then yeah. like they, they tell women to have babies and then when they have the baby they tell them like you're sol so yeah well a lot of it too is too bad so do, sad idiot what they'll do is they'll quote unquote counsel these women in states where abortion was still a thing maybe is still a thing and they will go to them and provide counseling for long enough until abortion is no longer an option right and then they will be like oh Sorry, you passed that deadline. You fucked right. up. Sorry, we can't do it anyway. There's scum. And the mother's like, "What the fuck?" So, yeah. But it's scum. it's mostly it, it's mostly too like a scam in, in that like they're, they're getting money from oh, like the, these sort of evangelicals and such, and that like people are pocketing it because it's very obviously not going to these like mothers. Correct. And, and sort of the same thing is happening here. Uh, so I'm gonna say it's not mostly a scam, dude. It, it's a scam. It, it's entirely a scam. Yeah. Um. So uh, later, um, the the parents of Baby Jean. Uh, would file a suit against the cult. Um, grand larceny charges were also filed by the New York Attorney General, uh, John J. Bennett Jr. Um, most of the questions um, that, that were the center of these lawsuits uh, against the group were also um, were also about the group's uh, actual property holdings and Baby Jean's properties, um, which included a, a diamond ring supposedly valued at then $50,000, which would be the equivalent to uh, $967,000 $1,102 in today's money. Jesus. Boyus. That's a um, lot of dollary dues. So the, during the trial, obviously, the, uh, the cult um, faces uh, financial difficulties um, during the trial, and Peace Haven was foreclosed on and auctioned off. Um, in March 24th of 1942, uh, Schaefer pleaded guilty and was sent to Sing Sing Prison on May 5th for a term of at least five years. Uh, during That's that time... It? Uh, <laughs> Unreasonable. Five years. That's it. Okay. Uh, during that time, uh, he would lose uh, Peace Haven, which is now part of uh, modern-day Dowling College. And upon his release, he opened a correspondence school in metaphysics in upstate New York and published a magazine devoted to metaphysical issues. On April 26, 1955, Schaefer gotta, and his wife Ce- uh, Cecilia... Gotta stay on that found, grind set. That grifting grind set. <laughs> uh, ...were found dead in their car on the grounds of... Uh, down uh, the grounds of his school um there was a suicide note on the seat b- uh, beside him detailing instructions for their daughter on how to continue operating the school um and it also stated that they had quote-unquote no way out um schaefer was 59 at his death and his wife was 55 hmm. well uh and- that sounds kind of fishy but also did they ever like investigate it i'm assuming and say yeah nah like they they definitely clapped themselves or is it just kind of <laughs> like well fuck it and then people just moved on what's well, it's 1955 so I, I don't think there's much that can be done but 
I, I do think it is plausible that they did like um, kill themselves due to like mounting debts and possibly to get their daughter like insurance money since, gotcha. since they had like grifted themselves into a hole. Gotcha. Um, just so you guys know, uh, suicide is generally an exclusion factor for life insurance policies now, so don't do it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Aaron Hernandez, haha, idiot. Your family, I feel real bad for you guys. Aaron Hernandez, idiot. Absolute fucking moron. Oh, that guy was, yeah, there was more going on there than being stupid. That yeah. was, uh, that was really fucked up, that whole thing. Did you watch okay. that? Have you watched that documentary? Uh, I watched one that they put out. It's uh, much worse. Years ago. Yeah. It's worse now. Yeah, the, I'm good. I don't the, need to know. The abuse yeah. stuff, and oh my god, yeah. Dude, is yeah. it? Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, he, was a, he was a twofer for you, Ryan. He was a he was both a gator and a patriot. I know. Fuck, don't remind me. D- listen, d- I, I need to see a documentary on Urban Meyer's time at the Gators but, because more criminals have come out of that uh, set of college team, and it's like two specific years to where more criminals have come out of those two years than any like other college. It's team very ever. weird. It's very but, weird. But then you had Tim Tebow. You had Tim Tebow under center. Like, the fucking holy boy, fucking God's chosen. Well, we all all know what his crime was. Being too fucking fucking churchy. Uh, Being too churchy. Bro, I have been in more Tim Tebow arguments since I got down here. I'm like, you guys, you're you're all Christian. I get it, right? More power to you. You believe in God, that's fine. Uh, Here's my problem. That doesn't make Tim Tebow a good quarterback. He's <laughs> mediocre at best. He's never been a good quarterback. He had like a couple good games with the Broncos, but it was fucking abundantly clear that it was not him. He was not the reason no, for the season. No, That's a close. great joke, by the way, because it was an NFL season, right? Uh-huh. And, <laughs> okay. That's not what it was. And then when you fail on like five different fucking NFL teams, and and they can't even move you to another position. You're just not cut out for the NFL. I think we. Thing, I think they, people uh, they put, told him, "Hey, be a tight end." A lot Bro, of these douchebags. You are gonna fucking kill shit. Nope. nope yeah. Nope, nope, a lot nope, of these douchebags that you know too. Like everyone knows them, right? They think that they can play in the NFL. That's the that's their ultimate delusion. That's it's, their toxic. They trait. don't realize <laughs> how much better at sports the people in the NFL are than the average person. And that even a guy like Tim Tebow who looks every bit the athlete and has had more than a bit of success in late college, maybe a spark of it when he first got in the league, that guys like him wash out every fucking year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. If he's a nice guy, I guess you know whatever. He's Christian. That's 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 fucking phenomenal. Great. Totally he sucks at football. Goodbye. Yeah, totally beside the point. You know, if he was just humbled himself to say, "All right, maybe I'm not a quarterback. Let me try lining up in the tight end, or let me try you know on defense or something like that." Because he's a big dude. He can catch the ball. He can run. Well, he I think has I think we've proven skill. by now that that's not yeah, going to happen, and never it never was. Yeah. But then he tried baseball. Failed at that. Sorry, Timmy. Get the fuck yeah, out he was of here. on the Mets. He was on the Mets uh, farm team, and you know, I was I was all about it. I was like, if he can do it, he can put him in there. But no, he can't do it. <laughs> He's nope. not that good. He's average nope. at best. Great athlete. There's a lot of guys like that. You know, we need the best of the best. In the NFL and, and Major League Baseball. You're not going to get there. You got to be. You can't be a flash in the pan. You either yeah, have to be no. incredibly consistent or brilliant. That's the I only just people let that make you it. Know, this uh, this conversation. 
will get us murdered if it was heard in Gainesville. I don't care. <laughs> like at a bar. They're just, at a that, bar that's just my They would try to kill you. That's they my opia. Kill you. The thing is, is if we're talking about college football, then what happens with college football is you have a different scale. Because college football players, uh, you can be like a Reggie Bush figure who in college football is literally a speed wizard who can't be caught by anybody. And then when he is, he just rips their fingers off because he's so fast. But your average college athlete is not your average NFL athlete. So then when Reggie Bush gets into the NFL, he's a middling running back. Is he? I thought he was good. He was was average to good. But he was not great. That's the thing. But then you get the flip side of that, and you get somebody like Tom Brady, a relatively unknown coming out of Michigan, who goes to the league and is the oh, yeah. greatest one to ever touch it the ball. It can happen. It can definitely you know? happen. But it's the thing wild. is, it's, it's wild. It's not the average story. Again, wild right. success is variance, right? Yeah. So, yeah, your odds of that kind of shit happening are very low. Okay, we're enough. Mm-hmm. Tebow time over. <laughs> so, so another an, another figure who, who I'm sure. Um, Tim Tebow is also a fan of Jesus Christ. <laughs> another. Let me tell you about another guy who had a lot of success being persistent and persevering. Oh, He's a real cool guy. I was Jesus like, Christ. Let me, about another, let me tell you about another grifter. Like, I love Actually, doing that. Do that. I love doing that when people are having conversations and they're telling but, me about someone. I'll be like, let me tell you about another guy who's pretty cool. Jesus. But, but that man that, that sort of draws from uh, Napoleon Hill is Norman Vincent Peale. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, Peel himself was born in Bowersville, Ohio, on May 31st, 1898. So, not too long after uh, uh, Napoleon. Um, he's the eldest of three sons, um, and his um, his father was a physician-turned-Methodist minister in southern Ohio. Um, and um, growing up within the Methodist faith, um, he would eventually go on um, to get a degree at Ohio uh, Wesleyan University, and then become a um, a preacher after going to the Boston University School of Theology. He would um, serve as a pulpit replacement in, in a summer break um, for an Ohio uh, church pastor who had fallen ill, um, mm-hmm. and the um, and he was persuaded by his father to abandon the formal preaching style of his uh, college training for one of simplicity, uh, which led Peel to talk about um, quote unquote Jesus Christ relating to him. Um, the simplicity of human lives, um, and which led he would later uh, recollect to a good reception and looks of gratitude and goodness on the faces of congregants. Ryan, you know this guy, right? His name, yeah. Power Positive Thinking. I know I've, I've heard that book before, but okay. I've never heard of this person. No, is he this is the guy that wrote it? Yeah, okay. Um, he would, uh, he I would thought this was Jordan Peele's dad for some reason. <laughs> no, <laughs> white as a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> he would uh, he would leave school um, in, in order to uh, in, to earn money working uh, working in journalism at the Detroit Journal for a year, uh, reporting in Finley, Ohio, um, at the Morning Republican. The um, Morning he, Republican sounds like something I never want to be around. Um, he would he would go on except to during an election to- year because I like to see Republicans in the morning. It sounds like a drive time radio show. <laughs> the morning, hi, welcome, good news, folks. There's no liberals here. Woohoo! Uh, the I'm Chet, the morning Republican. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna play four Garth Brooks songs, followed by the national anthem every hour on the hour. Make sure you stand, and I want to hear them hands clapping across them hearts. I'm not really concerned if you're a good person, but you got to tell people you are all the time. Ninety-four point three KLZ. Oh my god. <laughs> um, uh, 
Peel would uh, return to focusing on the ministry in 1922 and was ordained as a pastor in the Methodist Episcopal Church. Um, after a first assignment in Rhode Island at an unknown church um, in Berkeley, Rhode Island, he accepted a call to Brooklyn, where in 1924, his work from the pulpit and in general added to his membership more than uh, 20-fold within a year, leading a small congregation to build a new church. He would uh, receive God, a call easy. to Syracuse, New York, um, and in 1927 took the pulpit at the University uh, Methodist Church. Um, it was also there that he became one of the first American clergymen to bring his sermons to the emerging technology of radio, um, oh, a media decision man. that, that increases popularity um, and would later extend all the way to television. Oh my god, it's still like the worst. By the way, if you scroll outside the amateur bands and shortwave, it's 90%. And if you don't tithe, you will go to hell. You know, it's just like Christ talk everywhere. So this guy is the one that's responsible for all this? Sounds, uh, like he, sounds like he was one of the forefronts, but maybe kind not of responsible. He, he, he's not really like a he's not really like a tithing guy. He, he's not like a Jim Baker. Like like I can okay. I see the I see the private jet in my dreams that I need to bring the bring the word to the congregation. My favorite um, are those guys where they post a video and the guys like there's one that goes around and it's this guy talking about how much his watch is worth, and and, and he's like this person's telling you that he's ripping you off. Like he's fucking telling you. And, and you are, are still, like, still there. Uh, praise Jesus, he's so wealthy now. I'm so glad I could do that. Who's the guy that bought the plane? And then he was like, he told his congregation, I need another plane, basically. And they literally bought him a second plane. Wasn't that Baker? Or was that uh, the other guy down here I think in it was, Texas? I think it was Osteen. Osteen, yeah. No, 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 no. it wasn't Joel Osteen. And well, it, wasn't it was, Jim it was Baker. one of those guys. Like they've yeah, all done that. Assholes. Yeah. I was like, I cannot fucking believe you are literally sitting here being like, I need another plane. And these people are like, here you go. Motherfucker. What? Mm-hmm. Charity begins at home. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, during the, the Depression, uh, Peel uh, teamed up with uh, with J.C. Uh, JC Penny uh, co-founder uh, James Cash Penny, uh, a radio personality named Arthur Godfrey. God damn, that's a great IBM. fucking name. And, and oh presence. my fucking god, um, J.C. Penny, James Cash. Pe- <gasps> really? Yeah. I didn't know that and, either. I've been going and, there and, my whole life. And, and Thomas J. Watson um, for uh, forming the sitting board of an organization called 40 Plus, which was aimed at helping unemployed managers and executives. I always thought it was Jesus Christ Penny. I thought it was just a no, bunch of like ultra Christians that ran that shit. That's something that Inspector Gadget says when she really makes a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Penny! <laughs> Where's my gray jacket? Uh. On on June twentieth, nineteen thirty, Peel married Loretta Ruth Stafford. Um, should, around, we, should, should uh, we know that person? Should we know her? No, it's just his wife. Uh, the way you f- the way you phrased it was like like she's an evil subvillain or something. Yeah, he married like, Loretta Ruth Stafford. I was it like, just, oh, it, just the, it just appears on the screen like Dark Souls or Elden Ring. Yeah, like, you like threw a period in at each of her names. You know, I, I, I feel like I heard the dun 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 yeah, exactly. in my fucking headphones. <laughs> like like Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Exactly. I was like, who is this lady? Is she the she wolf of the SS? Who is this fucking lady? Um, future. It's only 1930. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, um, so so uh, around 1932 and 1933. He is called to the uh, Marble Collegiate Church in New York City, 
uh, a call which uh, required that he, uh, quote-unquote, switch his uh, denomination to the Reformed Church in America, um, which he made uh, with no real apparent problem for him. Um, so his, his tenure at Marble College um, was, quote-unquote, said to be the, um, is, is one of like the oldest churches in America, uh, which uh, was founded um, in 1628 and was said to be the oldest continuous Protestant congregation in the country, um, and began with an attendance um, at service of 200, but which would grow to the thousands um, due to his uh, sermons. Okay. Um, Peel would remain until his retirement from um, from being a pastor in 1984. Um, his his theology was very controversial, um, and prominent theologians such as uh, Ronald uh, Neighbor um, and William Miller uh, spoke out publicly against it. Um, they contended that his uh, theology falsely represented Christianity and Peel's writings and sermons uh, were factually false as well. Um, Neighbor said, quote unquote, this new cult is dangerous. Anything which corrupts the gospel hurts Christianity and it hurts people too. Uh, William Miller wrote that Peel's theology is hard on the truth, full of undocumented claims, and after reviewing Peel's entire library of books said the later ones are worse. So, following the 1929 uh, market crash and being uh, presented with uh, congregants with quote-unquote complex problems, um, as, as Peel would describe them, he and his wife, uh, uh, Ruth, uh, uh, counseled him to uh, quote-unquote find a psychiatrist who could help parish members, uh, which he did through consultation with his physician, Clarence W. Lieb. Okay. Uh, Peel, was, um, Peel was introduced to a, a Freudian um, who had trained in psychiatry in Vienna named Smiley Blayton, um, who Peel later recalled as saying, I've been praying for years that some minister would see that psychiatry and religion should work together. Um, and uh, this no. is... Uh, no, this is they, should, they, should, they should fucking not, but okay, go ahead. It's, a big, it's is, a big problem, by the way, right now. Yeah, it it, is. And this is his response to uh, being asked uh, about him believing in the power of prayer. Uh, it doesn't work. How's that sound? Well, actually, prayer does work. It does work. Yeah, it makes you feel good. That's about it. But that's the whole point, right? It's again, no, no, it's one of those. If that were the case, I would be praying. To I don't want to get. I don't want to get into like the whole thing because it's like a condemnation of religion, which we probably don't want to have a whole thing about. But uh, but yeah, that's the thing is prayer. Prayer works for some people very well because because it, it helps engender positive thinking, which does work, which is part of the reason why these guys made money because they again, predicated it, on all the all that stuff. That's simple stuff, but they just sell it to you in the right package. That's all it again, is. Again, if if prayer worked, I would be praying to win the lottery. Is all I'm saying. Well, that's um, not how it works, though. <laughs> that's well, not the that's not the point. It works yeah, to but, engender a positive mindset. It's not going to get you something. All right, yeah, but, give me but the, positive mindset to win we'll, the lottery. We'll, we'll get to that, Steve, because uh, according to Peel, that's where you're wrong. Oh, I know. Um, no, I, I'm I'm familiar with Peel. Yeah, yeah. No, Peel's uh, crazy. <laughs> He's like, no, motherfucker, Steve, let me tell you something. You think about it hard enough, you can win that goddamn Exactly. Lottery. No, they see, that's the thing is, again, when you get to the chiropractor who sells you the cure to the cold, now you've gone too far. Oh, you, you know? want to be rich? Let me just give you an adjustment in your C-spine. Yeah, it's like my brother says all the time. Like, if they do imaging and, they and you know, they get you in there and they talk about it and they give you exercises, that's not bad. You know, they probably are helping people, you know? Right. But as soon as they're like... Oh, you have a cold? Well, you know, that could be a nasal alignment thing. Let me align your face. And it's like, okay, uh, I got to go. <laughs> 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 Crack your back. 
<laughs> Roscoe here is going to punch you in the nose. All right. No, my back uh, feels fine. Let me crack your back. <laughs> so during that period, um, he would uh, he would go back to working in the radio, um, and he, it became sort of a personal obsession of his that he said to quote unquote reach uh, reaching uh, reach as many people as I could with the message of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you got to reach around with the message of Jesus Christ. His his first uh, his first radio wow. programs in New York City began in 1935. Um, and this was an effort that led to the uh, National Council of Churches sponsoring a program on NBC uh, Radio Network t- entitled The Art of Living, which would grow to reach uh, millions of listeners. The Art of Living, the wonderful prequel to the future bestseller The Art of War. <laughs> future bestseller. Uh, th- this would, this would <laughs> go on. Sun Tzu to- didn't come out until 1950. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a bestseller until 1963. Sun, <laughs> Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. It's Sun Tzu, you idiot. Um, this you week, ever had this, tzatziki sauce? It's Sun Tzu. <laughs> Sun Tzu. <laughs> this, would, this would go on to be um, the, the same title as one of his first books from New York City in 1937, um, which spoke of the power that individuals had within themselves that they could tap through applied Christianity. Oh, god damn it. You know, Quasimodo predicted all of this. In, in Nostradamus, Quasimodo was the hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> the Sopranos. In, in 1939, uh, with World War II breaking out in Europe, he made a second book uh, entitled You Can Win, uh, uh, which, uh, which talked about the tensions of life, the possibility of self-mastery, and one's being uh, one unconquerable with God, um, despite a clear apparent philosophy and message uh, the books did not advise people how to apply the ideas to their lives, and that they did not sell well. Um, by the end of World War II in 1945, Peel and his wife Ruth um, and a, a businessman, uh, Raymond Thornburg, had founded Guideposts Magazine, a, a non-denominational forum that presented inspirational stories. Okay. I've heard um, of this magazine. Is it still around? Is Guidepost uh, still around? I feel like it's one of those possibly. Christian magazines. Maybe. I, I feel like it's one of those Christian magazines I've seen, which means that at least... I mean, they have a I captive mean, audience, so yeah, it's possible that it's still around. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, Peel would eventually go on with Smiley Blayton um, to write uh, two books. One is called uh, Faith is the Answer, A Psychiatrist and a Pastor Discuss Your Problems, which was printed oh, in 1940. Christ, no. Uh, the book was uh, written in alternating chapters, with Blayton writing one chapter um, and then uh, Peel. Uh, Blayton um, himself had no particular religious point of view in his chapters. Um, in 1951, this clinic of, of psychotherapy and religion grew into the American Foundation of Religion and Psychiatry, with Peel serving as president and Blayton as executive director. Uh, Blayton uh, handled uh, difficult psychiatric cases with Peel. Um, who had no mental health credentials, and he would handle religious issues. Um, but what happens is that after um, World War II ends, um, in the words of, of a commenter um, in, in the New York Times, uh, George uh, Vexy, that Americans were having uh, some leeway to questions uh, what they believed and how they should live, um, that, that because of this, because after the war, people are looking for ways like how to live their lives, considering they've just been through the trauma of the Second World War, right. uh, Peel achieves his first bestseller, uh, published with Prentice Hall in 1948, a self-help book t- entitled A Guide for Confident Living, um, that, would, uh, that would use religion in order to handle personal problems. 
Um, this uh, this was followed right after this by by the more widely known book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Um, as Vexy would describe it, it arose from a draft that Ruth Peel uh, sent to an editor without her husband's knowledge, and this um, this usurpation led to a book that would remain on bestseller list for more than three years, which ranked it only uh, quote unquote ranked it behind the Bible as one of the highest selling spiritual books in history. Which one? The power of positive oh, thinking. Yeah. yeah, it's such a oh my god! People still to this day defend the hell out of that book. They love it. What the Bible? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got me. Um, when uh, Peel started, it's coming not that Tim cr- Tebow's bad at football. It's that he's Christian and they won't give him a chance. Bro, I used to piss so many people off, and I'd be like, "Why is he praying in the end zone?" I'm like, well, you know, you gotta give all love to God. I'm like, is "Oh, that's your problem like, with him? That he's no, no, praying? No. But he's like, good. Just give him a chance." Yeah, I'm like, "No, it's fine. He can pray, but like, why is he doing in the end zone?" And they're like, "Well, well he's had to God. If, he's had if five my, chances. Give him six. He's good. So it's, said, you're just but, mad because he's Christian." But I used to just get him all riled up by being like, "If he's a good Christian, he should be praying in the closet, like Matthew 19:24 tells him to do, right?" And they're all just like, "Ah." And they get so fucking mad. <laughs> Ryan Bible gotchas. If yeah. if if Mo Salah, an Egyptian player that plays for Liverpool in the Premier League, um, if he if he played American football in the U.S., um, his his thing does that every time he scores a goal, he like he like openly prays to Allah on the yeah. field. Oh my if he, god! If he did, would lose if, their fucking. If he did that in the United States, <laughs> right. He'd be dead, and that's today. Not even like twenty years ago. Like you would have these. Fu- you know what's worse than taking one knee of during a during an anthem? Taking two, two knees, <laughs> and you pray to Allah. Wow. That's the worst. Did you just come up with that? Like right <laughs> off the bat, that was really good. Well, you know what's worse than taking one knee? Taking two, goddamn bro. You like to prostrate yourself after a touchdown? How about you prostrate yourself to that locker room if you're not willing to pray oh, and thank my. the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh my bro, God. Stop it. Please stop. I'm just saying, listen, he's a good football player, and if he just stopped being so upset about his Christianity, you'd give him an eighth chance. Who, Jesus? No, Jesus Jesus had a fucking arm, bro. That man could chuck that rock. Well, you know, he didn't fumble the cross. So It's true. He did fumble the cross. He carried that. No, he fumbled it. He dropped it. That's true. Oh, Um, shit. (laughs) But uh, soon after the Power of Positive Thinking comes out, um, uh, Blainton distances himself from from Peel because because Peel starts coming under fire from the mental health community for this book. Oh, oh, do they? Um, And and because of this, uh, he he also refuses to publicly endorse the book. Right, because he's not Um, selling them therapy he's selling them like think and like, right. and uh peel Believe. refuses to allow his name to be used in the book and also declined to defend uh, uh peel publicly uh when when peel was being criticized um a scholar david mayer describes it peel evidently imagined that he marched with blatant as as their joint labors in the religio psychiatric institute uh this was not exactly so uh mayer also notes that blatant's own book Love or Perish, written in 1956, uh, contrasted so distinctly at so many points with the Peel um, Evangel of positive thinking that these works had virtually nothing in common. Okay. Um, so these works become uh, criticized uh, because uh, they're they're bad for people's mental health, and concluded that uh, Peel was a 
con man and a fraud and a confidence man. Um, these, these critics uh, appeared as well as, as early as the 1950s uh, with the publication of The Power of Positive Thinking. Hey, can you guys teach me something real quick? I don't know. Maybe. And I understand that I could very easily Google this, but I do ask, you know, I ask people their takes on something. Listen, if you want to play with cards, thing. the first thing you want to do is learn the Charlie A cut, okay? What you're going to okay. do, good. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to teach you something what? I know. All right. What, um, why do they call these people confidence men? Because they get your confidence. Yeah. They scam they, you they, with they, it. They, yeah, they get your confidence and then take your money. They they okay. essentially convince you. They 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 make you confident that they're trustworthy, and then they yeah. Their goal is to engender your confidence in them or their scheme, and then uh... and then once you've gotten that, you know, just like a con man is the goal is to get you to be you know in the con, that kind of thing. I mean, a con man is a confidence man. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, Essen- like essentially the same for. thing. Yeah, essentially. The same I thought that's what they're yeah, short for. It, it's be, it's become a shorthand, but but yes, generally that that's. What oh, you know what? I never put that. I never put that together, huh? Yeah, con man is confidence. Oh, okay. What it, I had never yeah. understood. I didn't. What yeah, I never. I never even like, thought what, about that. Why it was called a confidence man? Like they're just. Is it that's yeah. it? They're just getting on. They're playing on your confidence. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, one one critique of the power of positive thinking uh, noted that a lot of the anecdotes that that in the book were hard to substantiate. I noted that many of the testimonials that Peel quoted as supporting his philosophy were, were unnamed, unknown, and unsourced. Um, examples included, uh, quote-unquote, a famous psychologist, a two-page letter from a practicing physician, another a famous psychologist, and a prominent citizen of New York City, and dozens, if not hundreds, more unverifiable quotations. Sounds familiar. Sounds like uh, mm-hmm. Napoleon Hill's way of doing things. Except he just came um, out and said, George Washington told me this one time over tea. You know, it's like, yeah. wait a minute. Um, also, the uh, scientific studies of of questionable uh, validity were also cited. That it referenced? Uh, Did it re- Yeah, it references them, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and as a psychiatrist, uh, R.C. Murphy wrote, all of this advertising is vindicated, as it were, by a strict cleaving to the side of part truth and referred to the work in the quoted material as implausible and woodenly pious. They were also okay. criticized by several uh, mental health experts who declared his writings were actually bad for mental health, concluding that Peel was a con man and a fraud, and this being referred to as a confidence man in the popular press of 1955. Interesting. Um, agreeing with uh, with Murphy is a, um, a, a professor at the University of Virginia, William Lee Miller, who wrote an extensive article called Some Negative Thinking About Norman Vincent Peel. Um, and after reviewing the entire library of Peel's works, Miller concluded that the books are hard on the truth and that the, tr- the later books are worse um, than the earlier ones. Right. Uh, Miller challenged the plausibility and truthfulness of Peel's testimonials with great men um, in his book, almost as all of whom were unnamed, unknown, and unverifiable. Um, in Dr. Peel's books, these men turn out to talk just like Dr. Peel. There is a continuing recurring episode in his books that goes uh, like this. Peel meets great man. Peel humbly asks Great Man for his secret. Uh, um, Great Man tells Peel his strikingly Peel-like secret. Um, Miller also uh, mocks a success formula. It's uh, like the alchemy of confirmation bias, you know? It's like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, These Great Men reveals such as the unnamed newspaper editor who credits repeating a single phrase, um, a technique that's called auto-hypnosis, as the reason for his success. Oh, no. Um, 
the unnamed editor's uh, secret is uh, card and wall with words to the effect that successful man is successful. Hmm. Good um, lord. That's all it takes? Uh, Miller also explains that there's never the suggestion that hard work might be involved in achievement, um, and there are no demands on the reader. Uh, yeah, basically, wrote, he's selling you faith. I mean, that's really all it comes down to. He's selling you faith uh, in yourself, and that's all you nope. need. It's the uh, mm-hmm. it's literally the the Protestant form of self help. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miller uh, also wrote, "All this is hard on the truth, day. but is good for the preacher's popularity and enables him to say exactly what his hearers uh, want to hear." Uh, he also further mocks Peel's claim that his methods of religion are scientifically proven. Uh, Miller quotes Peel, the laws are so precise, um, they have been so often demonstrated that religion may be said to be a form of, uh, form an exact science. Uh, like, I, uh, I've had so many friends that back in the day used to hit me with that, because uh, they were a little bit evangelical. Well, I guess you can't really be a little bit evangelical, but they were evangelical. And they hit me with, like, the Bible codes thing, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm like, just shut up. Don't fucking, fuck don't, up. don't be an idiot right in front of me. Just do it on your spare time. You yeah. know, like, get the fuck out of here, science. Fuck off. <laughs> um, so, uh, Peel very obviously gives no scientific evidence in his books to support any of his claims. Um, and uh, Miller goes on to note that there's no scientific references supporting Peel, no footnotes, no index, no bibliography. No recommendations for further readings. Almost no evidence of any kind presented in Peel's books. Steve, it's like being a Mets fan, dude. You gotta believe. Yeah. <laughs> trust the process. Uh, no, Miller trust concluded- the process is not applicable there. Trust the process <laughs> is more specific. You gotta what? believe is utter horseshit. <laughs> well, that's, that's, where, that's what trust the process means. Cause it's like the the 76ers was constantly losing. And they're, they're yeah, just Joel like, Embiid. Yeah, Joel Embiid. Trust, the process. trust the process. I think trust the process is a better way. quality slogan, though, in my opinion. Because, like, it just, you know, losing is part of the process, you know. You can't you can't win every game. Like, I get it from that angle, but I see what you're saying. Um, so Miller wrote, in order to gain followers uh, of Peel, he's willing to use without flinching the most blatant appeals and to promise without stint. Um, a, a second critique of Peel uh, was that he attempted to conceal that his technique for giving the reader absolute self-confidence and deliverance from suffering are a well-known form of hypnosis, and that he persuaded his readers to follow his beliefs through a combination of false evidence and self-hypnosis, also referred to as auto-suggestion, uh, disguised by the use of terms which may sound more benign um, from the reader's point of view, such as techniques, formulas, methods, prayers, prescriptions. Yeah, what's crazy? Um, what's crazy about the suggestion thing is, is if you study um, sleight of hand and and magic, like especially mm-hmm. mental magic, is yeah. that suggestion is actually very powerful. But if somebody knows even a little bit that they're being fucked with, then it doesn't work. It just dies. Interesting. So, like a lot of the card tricks you see, where they're like, just pick a card that I that I out of these ones I show you. There's a thing called forcing a card, and they'll right. and it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the power of suggestion. You, <laughs> you're you're actually being told to look at a specific card. You just don't realize it, mm-hmm. and then your brain puts that card, just chooses that card because you they're good at what they do. So they they force the card, and that's the power of suggestion. I made you make a choice you didn't want to make. 
That's right. That's actually a real thing. And again, no, 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 they predicate their bullshit off of something that is actually a real thing. It's ridiculous. Um, one critic described Peel's book as the Bible of American auto hypnotism. Oh God. Um, so while his techniques have been debated by psychologists, uh, Peel said that his theological practice and strategy was directed more at self-analysis, forgiveness, character development, and growth, uh, which has been suggested by some to be much like the teachings of uh, uh, certain branches of the Jesuits. Um, this is obviously, you know, him just covering his ass. Absolutely, right. uh, dude, yeah. 100%. Uh, a psychiatrist, R.C. Murphy, wrote, Self-knowledge and Mr. Peel's understanding is unequivocally bad. Self-hypnosis is good. He, uh, Murphy also added that repeated hypnosis... Say that again? Individ- self-knowledge yeah. is bad. Self-hypnosis is good. It's, no, yeah. uh, so, uh, understanding, understanding is unequivocally bad. Self-hypnosis is good. Or self-knowledge... He said um, self-knowledge is, is bad. It, unequivocally is, is bad. bad. Self-hypnosis is good. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, because uh, breaking it down, because uh, Murphy would add that repeated hypnosis defeats an individual's self motivation, self knowledge, unique sense of self, sense of reality, and ability to think critically. Uh, Murphy Murphy describes Peel's understanding Christ. of the mind as inaccurate, without depth, and his description of the workings of the mind and the unconscious as deceptively simplistic and false. Um, it is, and this is a, a quotation from Murphy. It is very, it is the very shallowness of his concept of person that makes his rules appear easy. If the unconscious of man can be conceptualized as a container for a small number of psychic fragments, then ideas like mind drainage follow. So does the reliance on self hypnosis, which is the cornerstone of Mister Peel's philosophy. So remember before when I mentioned that I was reading that ADHD book that was ultimately unfounded. And uh, largely anecdotal and not really able to be defended with any current research in any yes. way. That's yes. that's what this guy's doing. It's just it's just supposing and saying and then just saying, nah, I'm gonna go with that. You know? Yeah. And putting it in the book and then telling everyone that's how it works. You have no fucking basis on how to actually like the guy in the ADHD book, a lot of the stuff he mentions it's actually mm-hmm. there's a there's a very small strain of truth on it, and he does understand the uh, functionality of ADD, right? But he's he's wrong, <laughs> like his conclusion is wrong. It's just not real, right? You know, it's been disproven right. more times than it's been proven, so it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, and again, like if you write a book and you don't have any sources and you have no bibliography, and all your quotes are unsubstantiated, and all your anecdotes are unverifiable, and you can't justify any of your contradictions, then why the fuck would I believe you? <laughs> like, it's um, crazy, man. No, you're not uh, wrong. A psychologist, Albert Ellis, the founder of a branch of psychology known as cognitive psychology. Uh, he compared My the favorite. techniques of Peel to the to the techniques of French psychologist, hypnotherapist, um, and pharmacist Emile Coué, uh, um, who Ellis said um, said that these techniques could lead to significant mental health problems for the people who use them. I'm gonna, refer, I'm gonna recommend two books for cognitive psychology. One is uh, Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. Fucking phenomenal book. It'll change your like whole approach on how you look at things. And then the better one is Thinking Fast and Slow by uh, Kahneman. Fucking um, unbelievable book. And Ellis uh, is uh, ranked by the American Psychological Association as the second most influential psychologist of the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, behind Carl Rogers. 
um, but ahead of Sigmund Freud. Um, and then he documents, but he he documented he documented in several of his books uh, the many individuals he has treated who suffered mental breakdowns from following Peel's techniques. Um, Ellis described it's not piece. working. I like I picture someone following Peel's techniques, like the people in those commercials where they're trying to sell you like the egg slicer, you know. And she's like trying to cut an egg, and the eggs just keep flying across the room and splattering on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can you know? I can do you. It's one not working. Because Ellis described one of his case studies was quote unquote one of my fifty year old clients, Sydney, read everything that Norman Vincent Peale ever wrote went to many of his sermons at uh, Marble Collegiate Church um, and turned many of his friends into trusting completely in God and in the Reverend Peel to cure them of all their ills. When some of these friends, in spite of their vigorous positive Benny thinking, Hinn. wound up in the mental hospital, and when Sidney had to turn to massive doses of tranquilizers to keep himself going, he became disillusioned. <laughs> I got disillusioned when I realized that I needed tramadol all day. <laughs> um... Uh, but uh, fortunately, his his client uh, began attending therapy and workshop groups at at, uh, at Ellis's uh, clinic, the Albert um, Ellis Institute, um, and through cognitive behavioral uh, therapy, um, at that time known as rational emotive behavioral therapy, um, he was able to improve his mental health and reduce his medications. Oh, man. Um, so uh, Ellis re- uh, repeatedly warned the public not to follow uh, the Peel message. He contends that Peel's approach is dangerous, distorted, and unrealistic. Um, he compares the black and white view of life that Peel teaches to a psychological disorder, um, uh, uh, equivalent to like borderline personality disorder, um, and perhaps implying that dangerous mental habits which he sees in the disorder may be brought on by following the teachings. Um, he said, in the long run, uh, Peel's teachings lead to failure and disillusionment, and not only boomerang back against people, but often prejudice them against effective therapy. Um, A third critique was that Peel's philosophy was based on exaggerating the fears of his readers and followers, and that his exaggerated fear inevitably leads to aggression and the destruction of those considered negative. Uh, Peel's views were uh, critically reviewed um, in a 1955 article by psychiatrist R.C. Murphy uh, published in The Nation titled Think Right, Reverend Peel's uh, Panacea. Yeah, the problem is, is that um, thinking positively is counterintuitive sometimes. Like, you really want to think constructively. And Correct. so, but it is important to be positive because it does actually work to help you feel better about things. However, if the philo- the underlying philosophy, like in Peel's case, doesn't require you to actually do any work, like if the whole thing is just think better, it's like, that's not going to work. <laughs> No, like yeah, you, no, no, you actually have to yeah, put into something. You have to actually you use your hands. Like you got to move. You have to make actions. You have to make like choices. You have to change your habits and things like that. You can't just feel better. And it's not. Yeah, I just. Yeah. That's the whole secret uh, thing too. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So it's it's literally just um, fucking conceit is what it is. Uh, Vexy, the uh, New York Times uh, contributor I mentioned earlier. Uh, was careful to categorize uh, Peel's books as a bestseller in the uh, spiritual books category, um, rather than um, uh, rather than comparing them to the much larger sales figures of the nonfiction or self help category. Absolutely, it's the same way that it should be illegal to market uh, supplements for any condition, ever, in my opinion. 
It's fucking like, up. No, are you saying like no supplements at all? Or just, I'm like, saying you can market them for a specific. You can't go around saying you're gonna cure the bloody rickets with vitamin C. Like there's okay. so many people out there who think vitamin C cures the common cold still, like and that airborne helps, and it's like, yeah. you know, it's such horseshit, you know, and it should be fucking illegal. Um, okay. And I think it is to a certain extent, but they skirt it. It's it's ridiculous, you know. It's just the special way that they say it, just so you, they don't get in trouble. Yeah, and and you predicate it too because you're like, oh well, you know, the pharmaceutical organizations, not you know, they're not believable and they're they're terrible. And you're right, they right. are, but they're they're actually making medicine, and you're and, and, e- and the, you're eating fucking sawdust, <laughs> and you're you're trusting the uh, just as big uh, supplements companies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're enormous. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, so first published in 1952. Uh, the power of positive thinking would uh, stay on the New York Times bestseller list for 186 consecutive weeks. Um, and according to the uh, according to Simon and Schuster, the book sold around five million copies. Um, it, the the fact that it sold five million copies is printed on the cover of the current edition in both the paperback and hardcover of the book, and directly contradicts exaggerated claims that the book has sold more than 20 million copies in 42 languages. Huh. The the publisher also con- uh, contradicts the translation claim as well, um, saying that the book has been translated into only 15 languages. Uh, nearly half the sales of the book, 2.1 million, occurred before 1958, and by 1963 the book had still only sold 2 million copies, according to Peel. Um, since then, the book has sold less than 3 million copies over the past 60 years. Um, that's some of that's his- fucking gross, but okay. Some of the other uh, popular works that Peel created were The Art of Living, A Guide to Confident Living, The Tough-Minded Optimist, and Inspiring Messages for Daily Living. Um, Peel would have a radio program, The Art of Living, which was ongoing and would continue for 54 years and under, um, and under the continued and evolving sponsorship of the National Council of Churches, he moved into television um, when, when television became more prominent. Of course he did. Um, it, he would also uh, write books and edit Guidepost magazine, um, as well as his uh, sermons would be sent out on a on an extensive uh, monthly mailing list. Um, in 1947, Peel and educator Kenneth Beebe co-founded the Horatio Alger Association, um, which was an organization that aimed to recognize and honor Americans successful in spite of difficult circumstances. Other organizations founded by Peel, including the Peel Center, the Positive Thinking Foundation, uh, Guides Post Publications, um, and all of which are sort of uh, pushing Peel's theories. Um, Peel was also close to President Richard Nixon's family um, and officiated the 1968 wedding of Julie Nixon and David Eisenhower. Um, he continued uh, calling the White House throughout the Watergate crisis and was quoted as saying, Christ didn't shy away from people in trouble. Um, <laughs> Is he trying to compare himself to Christ? Is that what he's trying to do? Uh, essentially. Okay. Um, so, uh, Ronald Reagan awarded Peel the Presidential Medal of Freedom um, on March 26, 1984, uh, for his contributions to the field of theology. The medal um, means nothing. Uh, Peel would die at the age of 95 following a stroke on December 24, 1993. Um, he was survived by his wife of 63 years, uh, Ruth. Um, who would influence him with regard to the publication of The Power of Positive Thinking in 1952, um, and with regard to his early instructions on psychiatry, and with whom he had founded Guideposts, um, of which he was Chairman Emeritus 
and which had an, an annual readership of 8 million in 2008. Uh, Ruth passed away uh, um, on February 6, 2008, at the age of 101. Wow. Five U.S. presidents, uh, Richard Nixon, oh, Gerald darn. Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, and George H.W. Bush, spoke well of Peel in the documentary about his life, Positive Thinking, the Norman Vincent Peel story. Um, the Reverend Billy Graham said at the National Council of Churches on June 12th, 1966, that I don't know of anyone who had done more for the kingdom of God than Norman and Ruth Peel, or have meant any more in my life for the encouragement they have given me. Wow. Um, what a simp. Um, <laughs> uh, Mary L. Trump in Too Much and Never Enough uh, wrote that Donald Trump's father, Fred Trump, was yep. heavily influenced by Peel. Yep. Oh, there it is. Huge, um, huge as a, fan. As there a child, is. Donald Trump attended Marble Collegiate Church with his parents, Fred and Mary. Uh, both he and his two sisters, Marianne and Elizabeth, were married there. Um, Trump has uh, also repeatedly praised Peel and cited him as a formative influence. Um, Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, um, says that Peel's writing influenced him to achieve success. What? And go batshit insane. And go batshit insane on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself there, Scotty. <laughs> um, so, as, um, as this is all, um, going on, um, Napoleon Hill himself, uh, would, uh, die in, in, so, in poverty and obscurity, um, on November 8th, 1970, at the age of 87, um, being um, sort of eclipsed by uh, Norman Vincent Peale. So that's how they're related, basically. Like, Peale carried on, like, the legacy and took it even further. Than yeah, so the, he, heavily, he heavily used that type of, like, think and grow rich um, thinking that went to the power of positive thinking, which, again, is also, like, sort of the basis for the secret and other sort of it's things. It's the absolute basis. It's the same shit yeah. repackaged. It's, it's a, yeah, it's that's the same all it shit, is. Like, word for word. And they'll tell you it's not because it's got to be unique, but it's not, dude. It's it's the same shit repackaged. Because, look, I there's a 1%, maybe even smaller than 1% part of me that holds <laughs> out the possibility of some crazy, like, mystical thing, you know? I'll leave it open. There's a lot of mysteries in the world. I'll leave it open. Just a small, small door, an aperture with the, as, that the light can go through. But uh, as, as as Donald Trump would say, of a seven year old believing in Santa, it's it's marginal at that age. Yeah, <laughs> I'm marginal. But but like the idea that these guys have anything new, it's just the same thing. They're just selling you a new thing, and it's such an easy sell because there's some reality to it. You know, positive thinking is a good thing. It it is good mm-hmm. to be optimistic, but mm-hmm. it's not good to be optimistic and not do anything to help yourself get through it like that's that's ridiculous yeah to to not give someone the again here's 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 the analogy again and I, maybe i wasn't making this clear before a car a good chiropractor gives you exercises probably has a physical therapist in house right that they you work with so that after you get some alignment you strengthen things up so you don't need the alignment all the time a bad right. chiropractor will adjust you for the rest of your life and you'll never get better because they don't give you anything to help you get better. They just keep paying them and they adjust you over and over and over again. That's the power of positive thinking. Positive thinking without positive habits and the energy to go forward and, and you know, uh, make those things. It, they're not connected, you know. 
Why do I think that people like uh, EA Games or anybody that creates a video game that has loot boxes in it has has read the power of positive thinking and has put into practice how to fleece rubes? I think it's different hey, there. Look at what you could get if you if you keep throwing money at these loot boxes. Yeah, that's more of like that's a, just gambling. That's just gambling, which is a little bit different. Yeah, actually, it's, it's very. But different. I mean, it's the same. Like at the end of the day, it's the same thing. You're grifting these people. You know that they don't have a chance in hell of getting that. Yeah, you're selling. I mean, so you're selling them. It is just gambling. That's it's, it's really it, all. It's it based, that's based purely on on chance. This this is just someone like sort of like telling you like if you think positively, like like if you keep doing all the things I'm I'm telling you in the subsequent books I keep publishing, you're you're going to turn out all right. Right. Like if you um, drive, they're your not car. telling you if you think positively, you're gonna you're gonna get that like SSR whatever <laughs> character. You know, you're not you're not gonna get your like SSR World War II battleship with huge tits. <laughs> Spending money and rolling up boxes. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're not telling you that. They're just telling you, well, there is a chance. Right. The, the chance is like one is, to like a million. But yes, do, there's a chance. Right. You do just we got not your see this kind of stuff anymore because people are afraid of being uh, sued. No, this shit. No, this shit no, happen because there's nothing wrong with selling these ideas to people. It, it's it's incredibly common. Like buyer beware. Essentially, like like QAnon is is sort of based on this. Yep. Be- because like because like QAnon is, is sort of like this this sort of belief among among like conservatives that 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 sort of like there are these secret forces at work these these secret masters as long as you you keep the faith and you keep it going you know Donald Trump who's secretly like this genius secret agent who might be a time traveler has has come back and he's gonna he's gonna kill all your enemies and your kids are gonna talk to you again at, at dinner you're gonna be invited over for Christmas. You just have to keep the faith, and you have not to the holidays, Christmas. Donald yeah. J. The genius stands for the J stands for genius. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Well, that was a journey. It was what a fucking grifter. I can't believe I still never heard of this guy before. I like the only question I had was about the. I, I linked an article about him that um, that I read uh, back in 2016 on uh, yeah there- Gizmodo. There, there's an extensive Gizmodo article from before they were bought out. Yeah, that, that's really good. Yeah, that's um, where I first and, heard and it's of. about like Napoleon Hill, and it ties in um, sort of the the groups that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sort of like that larger milieu of, of just sort of like weird um, cultish type groups, and they they tie it into Trump and how like a lot of Trump and a lot of the things around Trump and him being he's a grifter. You know, he's always been a grifter. It's fucking hilarious. It's always, just when the always. grift is based around your own stereotypes or your personal psychological needs, then it feels good to you. You know, that's, that's the problem is cause we all get grifted a little bit here and there. And it's like, you just kind of buy into something maybe a little too quickly, you know, happens every once in a while. You learn. And then but the goal you is you hope, you hope, grifted. you hope you learn. Yeah, you hope someone learns, you know, and it just is what it is. I mean, you know, some people, I think just the vast majority of people out there are looking for shortcuts and there's no shortcuts. Right. You got to, you, you got to work hard and you know, you want to keep a positive mindset, but it's not getting you anything, not by itself. That's not it. That's, that, that's religion. And now you've crossed over into a completely different conversation, right? Yeah. Correct. Which, Correct. Which, which again goes into like the, the QAnon thing, because, because all about QAnon is, is that you're not the. There are a few out there that become like the, the lone wolf, like like terrorists or whatever. Right. But but generally, the the vast majority of them, the belief is that like you just have to like trust the plan and you have to wait because it's gonna it's all gonna happen. Yeah. And you're gonna be rewarded because you kept the faith. Yeah, which is just ridiculous. But that's like 
the tagline for every major. It only has to happen. It only has to be true a few times. It 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 depends That's on the the, it depends on the cult because like it, it goes in sort of like uh, people have talked about that like that there will never be another like mass movement and and like in in. Until something like radically changes with humanity at the state we're in, like like we're never going to see like a mass um, sort of, sort of movement like you saw with like in the 20th century with like communism or fascism, mm-hmm. like like you're never going to see that level of of sort of activity just because the nature of society and how we process information and how information is related to us and how we interact with people in society has changed so radically that you don't really get that anymore. So so this is sort of like the only last like effective sort of like wide-scale grift cult type thing like that is, is just to like sit back and you know believe right Be- because you can't really like organize people to act in like a in a way because of just how like information is done and projected right crazy all right and with that, on that note yeah don't get grifted in the new year get fucking <laughs> get sources you know when you read something online and you feel in fact the more you feel inclined to believe something you read, the more sources you should get. You should double-check everything, because you never know. And that does not mean if you believe something bad about immigrants that you go read Breitbart and confirm your sources. No, you want to look for the, the opposite. Biases. Yeah, exactly. look for the opposites. That, that does not include FBI crime statistics. <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading that, that interesting thing in that book, um, Thinking Fast and Slow. Where they were talking about like the the law of small numbers, and mm-hmm. uh, he says like he starts a paragraph with basically that the incidence of kidney cancer are lowest in rural Republican counties, and then he wants you to use your your intuitive your system one thinking to uh, to try to figure out why that might be, and then like a paragraph later he says the highest incidence of kidney cancer are in rural Republican counties. <laughs> Because oh, the so numbers are so s- because the numbers are so small, they're given to extremes. So you hear it, and you get all these stereotypes that flow through, and you're like, "Yep, yeah, that makes sense." They're clean living Christians, and it's like, "Oh wait, they're also the highest." <laughs> Be- <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> and it's because the statistics are bad because it's just a small sample size, yeah, and it's, it's given to extremes. Population. Yeah. So anyway, take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Trust no bitch. Don't believe shit, not even us. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't believe us. <laughs> Alright. Good night. Out.